After being asked about my own guitar arsenal show after show, I've begun digging into it and sharing some instruments that I think you'll really like and learn a lot from. So far, I've shown you my Mule Resonator guitars, my National guitars, my Thompsons, my vintage Mahogany Martins, and even some maple back and sided knockouts. Today, we're gonna take a little bit of a different road and look at my vintage square neck acoustic guitars. These are oddballs, no doubt, but they actually reveal something very important about the vintage guitar market. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 301 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a small-bodied blues guitar you probably haven't heard about yet, some musical advice that will end comparison thinking, and much, much more. But first, Let's rummage through my guitar arsenal a little bit and have a look at these three beautiful vintage square neck guitars. I am beyond excited to show you these guitars. I've got three of them and I think they're gonna make your mouth water. But first things first, what the heck is a square neck acoustic guitar? Well, as the name suggests, it is an acoustic guitar with a square neck meant to play in your lap with finger picks and a slide bar. So even if you wanted to fret one of these instruments, you'd have a real hard time doing so because again, the neck is square and the strings sit considerably high off the fretboard. So even if you exercised all your strength, um, it wouldn't sound too good. You wouldn't be able to fret it because again, these are set up specifically for lap style playing. Now. I wanna show you these three instruments. Like I said, I am super pumped. I think you're really gonna get a kick out of these. These aren't things that you see every single day. But I'm gonna kinda of breeze through each of them because they actually all, in combination, reveal something pretty startling about the vintage guitar market, something that you can use to your advantage. We'll get there in a moment, but first let's go ahead and dig into these guitars. First things first is a Bronson's Radio Grand. Yes, a Bronson's Radio Grand. I'm not even sure who manufactured this guitar. I know that at certain points in times, Gibson was making some of these guitars, Regal was making some of these guitars with, with different names. So I'm not sure of the origins of this guitar other than what's on the headstock. A Bronson's Radio Grand, it does have a spruce top. It does have mahogany back and sides. I do believe it to be all solid wood. Looking up a spec sheet for this is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. It has a non-original bridge on the top. I think originally it had a tailpiece and a floating bridge, but somebody opted to glue on a standard bridge that's actually coming unglued. I'm just looking at it right now. Pretty common on these older instruments. Uh, a very cool guitar. Uh, it's got a sunburst, bound sound hole, white binding on the outside, white binding on the inside of the sound hole. A really cool Firestripe-esque pick guard that doesn't have any finish underneath. So it really is kind of a, a striking look. I really dig the look. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, square neck, uh, three on a plate tuners, kind of a standard guitar from the 20s, 30s, 40s, think department store guitar, um, but again, with a square neck. Let's go ahead and listen to the Bronson's Radio Grand. Thank you. 
Next up, a slightly larger guitar. This is an Oahu square neck acoustic guitar. The company Oahu uh, was a publishing company in Cleveland, Ohio. And I most associate the name Oahu with electric lap steels. Uh, back in the, I would say, I guess, 30s, 40s, and 50s, they were mass producing electric lap steels. So when I see this name, I most commonly associate it with the lap steel. And then I saw this on Reverb and I was like, whoa, an acoustic guitar made by the Oahu company? Maybe not made by them, but branded uh, with the Oahu name. Uh, I had to have it, so I got it. Uh, this does have a mahogany top, mahogany back and sides. I do believe it to all be solid, a square neck. Um, you see it's just a wonderful kind of classic dare I say, regal style headstock. And I have a strong inkling that this was made and manufactured by Regal. And you'll see why when I show you the next instrument. Just take note of this headstock shape. Take note of this unique body shape um, and size for that matter. Like I said, all mahogany, all solid. Uh, checkerboard binding on the sides, uh, the top, the back, and of course on the inside of the sound hole, which is a great, wonderful touch. Um, and I should also mention, all of the guitars that I'll be playing for you today are ladder braced. Uh, ladder braced means that the braces, the structural supports inside, uh, on the top of the guitar rather, run uh, straight across the top. Most commonly, acoustic guitars are X-braced, meaning the structural supports, the braces are at an angle. So these have a very distinctly different tone. They have a much uh, louder growl and bark because the top is stiffer. You can dig in a lot harder. So let's go ahead and listen to this Oahu square neck acoustic guitar. Thank you. 
Remember that headstock shape from the Oahu square neck? Well, take a good close look at the headstock shape from this Regal square neck. It's the same. In fact, uh, my gut tells me it's the same exact guitar, save for one difference, one major difference, and that is this has a spruce top and mahogany back and sides, whereas the Oahu was all mahogany. And it has this wonderful stencil on the lower bout, which is what actually made me get this guitar. I had the other two. I was done getting square neck acoustics because I was like, ah, you don't need that many. You need one or two different sounds. Boom, you're good to go. I saw the stencil top on this one and I was like, I'm a sucker for it. I had to pick it up. Uh, as I mentioned, spruce top, mahogany back and sides. It has these wonderful, I'll call them owl stencils on the fingerboard uh, for lack of a better term. Um, just a great guitar. This has a wonderful uh, uh, shimmer to it that the Oahu doesn't. So what I initially purchased as an instrument out of sheer attraction actually ended up giving me a completely different sound as well. So I'm super happy that I did so. I'm a big fan of this guitar and um, let's go ahead and give it a listen. This is the Regal Square Neck. <laughs> Chicago, just like me. How cool is that? Anyways, I wanted to share these three instruments with you because yes, they are from my guitar snow and I get asked all the time about my personal guitar snow. So I'm kind of uh, chipping through it, if you will. And then secondly, these aren't instruments that you necessarily hear all the time. So again, I wanted to feature them because I think they deserve their time in the spotlight. But the third most important reason I'm sharing these guitars with you is because I think it's a, it's a solid indication of an aspect of the vintage guitar market. Would you believe it if I said these three guitars combined total cost me under $1,000? That's correct. Uh, these guitars combined were under $1,000, which I, I'm not sure on the, the year of these either. Uh, I would say we're ranging between the late 30s, maybe early 50s 
Again, I'm unsure. I don't think they were produced in the 60s, so I think late 30s, early 50s. I think that's a good time frame. But generally speaking, guitars from that time period command uh, quite a higher dollar figure. Specifically, and, and this is shocking, even guitars that were made just like this, say a Regal with the same body size, but with a round neck, go for a lot more money. Why is that? Well, because how often do you see somebody play something lap style? Now it's becoming more and more, more and more uh, common rather, um, but it's not all that common of a playing style. And I think this really shines the light on something that you can leverage when you're shopping for a vintage guitar. Look for things that aren't necessarily played all that often or maybe considered unpopular. You'll end up scoring a good deal. And I say this again from personal experience. When these kept coming up on reverb, I was like, that, that's it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get that. Why not? Why wouldn't I add that to my guitar arsenal? Furthermore, check this out, specifically with square neck acoustic guitars. Now I say this with a little disclaimer. There are companies, luthiers, that can take these square necks and either replace them with a round neck or carve and shape them into a round neck guitar. So if you're willing to pay 300 bucks for a vintage Regal, Oahu, Bronson, whatever, whatever the case may be, square neck acoustic guitar, if you're willing to pay 300 bucks for an, oh, a vintage square neck acoustic guitar, what would it be to add another, I don't know, I don't know how much it costs, let's say anywhere from five to $1,000, $500 to $1,000 to get a round neck put on it? There you have a guitar that's usable for you and still probably less than an original round neck made by the same company with the same exact specs for that matter. So I wanted to mention this because I think it's important, you know, a lot of times we can get shocked by vintage guitar prices and for good reason. Um, well, for good reason on twofolds, they're, they're, they're expensive, okay? That is shocking in and of itself. But when you actually think about how many are left and that it is a standard supply, if not a diminishing supply, uh, that's shocking as well. But it also kind of, uh, that is a, is a solid indicator of what the price will be. That being the case, I'll say it again, look for unpopular things. Look for vintage guitars that might not necessarily be in great shape. Look, at, look for vintage guitars that you can modify, okay? All of these are gonna need work at some point in time. I will likely be doing the work because I'm not scared of damaging them. They, they didn't cost all that much money and I know that they can be fixed, right? So just kind of a, a fun little, um, little nugget of information that I wanted to share with you. Um, now, the disclaimer, remember I said at the beginning you could modify these guitars? Um, there are very few original square neck acoustic guitars still available. I think of uh, square neck guitars made by Martin. I think of square neck guitars, acoustic guitars made by Gibson. The large majority of those guitars have been modified to round neck instruments. And it's a bummer, especially if you're looking for a square neck guitar, but it also goes to show that it's possible. You can score a great deal on a square neck instrument, convert it into a round neck instrument, and boom, you got killer vintage tone for not killer crazy vintage price. Just a fun little um, perspective on the vintage market. Does it happen all the time? No, but it's definitely something to look out for and something to keep in the back of your mind when you're surfing on reverb as I do on an almost daily basis, multiple times 
during the day. I hope you enjoyed these instruments. In the comments below, let me know maybe which one is your favorite. Which one stood out to you? Was it the Bronson's Radio Grand? Was it the Oahu or was it the Regal? Let me know in the comments below. And while you're typing, I'll go ahead and get the desk ready and we'll dig into some acoustic news you can use. Time for some acoustic news you can use. And the first thing on my list comes from Andy Hall, the dobro player for the infamous String Dusters. You know, it's summertime. There are a lot of bands and musicians out there traveling around, and there are a lot of trials and tribulations that they face when it comes to travel, be it lost baggage, missed flights, canceled flights, you name it, they likely encounter it. Well, Andy shot a bit of a video that's, uh, well, a parody of sorts on what a musician could do to train for these trials and tribulations. Let me go ahead and read the description and then we'll look at the video. He says this, after almost missing my flight connection this weekend, I realized that it's time to really buckle down and get in proper shape for the rigors of summer tour. Here's what I came up with. One, sit as still as possible for one hour minimum. I will allow myself to eat small amounts of pretzels and peanuts here, drink a cranberry juice or even a beer to carbo load for what's to come. Two, and we're off. 30 second sprints with instruments, five sets. Number three, as my fitness improves, I'll add obstacles to increase the difficulty. Number four, bonus. This is for the advanced folks. As an additional option, once I'm totally gassed, I'll stop and visualize arguing with the gate agent about getting my instrument on the plane. That's it, I'm ready for summer tour. Um, this is really funny because I've heard from countless friends of the things that they encounter and Andy pretty much hit the nail on the head here. Here's the video that he shot. It's not every day that you get to meet one of your guitar heroes. It's not every day that you get to meet one of your guitar heroes and play a song that they wrote back to them. Well, Nathaniel Murphy of Chicago Music Exchange had that very opportunity when Noel Gallagher came into the shop. Here's what Nathaniel had to say about that experience. As a kid, you dream of meeting your heroes, but obviously you don't think it'll actually ever happen. But I got to meet the man who made me want to pick up a guitar and made me fall in love with guitar. And then to play one of his songs to him. I think this is pure magic. It's pure magic and I'm so glad it was captured on video. Here it is. Again, again, again. It's no question that music is an incredibly powerful thing. To me, it's one of the most powerful things that I've ever encountered. It conjures up emotion. It seems to teleport you back to a certain space and a certain time. I know for me, one of the first records I got was Green Day's very first album, 1039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours. I think that's the name of it. Anyways, when I turn that album on, it takes me right back to when I first heard it. It's just, it's, 
I can't even describe it. Well, I have more evidence on how powerful music is. Cosmos Records posted this picture of a Marvin Gaye album and a note that they found within it. This is a record store, so they get used records coming in and out. And they found this and I thought, I gotta share this with the Acoustic Tuesday folks because they'll truly dig it. Here's what the letter that was contained in the Marvin Gaye album, What's Going On. Here's what it said. Dear father and mother, this is a record I bought about a week ago, and it touched me and Judy in such a profound way. We felt you would also appreciate it in the same manner. It is a testament of love and beauty, the kind of beauty and pain so prevalent in the hearts of black men and women. It is personal, honest, and tender. When I first heard it, I felt deeply it was something I needed to pass on to someone I loved. I just, I got goosebumps reading this because when you think about it, when you think about the facts. It's a piece of plastic with grooves etched in it that replicate sound. And it hits that hard. I mean, I'm, I still got the goosebumps. That's just incredible. I thought this was so cool. I wanted to share it with you because it just gives perspectives on, it gives perspective on the records that we listen to and how much they mean and how, how individual of an experience it is, how individualistic it is. I don't know, it's, it's rather introspective and I find it fascinating. So I wanted to share that with you. Next up on my list is a small bodied blues guitar you likely haven't heard of yet. And if you have, you've done some digging. The folks at B&G, if you're not familiar with B&G, they are, I think, most commonly associated with the B&G Little Sister. It's an electric guitar that absolutely screams, it's beautiful to look at, and it is a blues machine. Well, they've started to dip their toe in the water of acoustics, and they've introduced the Coletta. Now, they introduced this some years back, I wanna say three or four years back, and they did it in a uh, private build kind of model in which you picked out your specs, they built the guitar, boom, it showed up. Well, now they are doing the standard build line, which is they make the guitars and you can buy them. You can buy them right on their site. The Coletta floats right around the price of $32.99. It's modeled after an old Stella guitar, and this thing sounds lush and beautiful. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, you have to hear it, so let's go ahead and do that right now. First up, I want you to get a little bit of the background info on the Coletta. So here's a quick little video that shares kind of where this guitar came from and how it's built today. Hey there, I'm Kiki from BNG Guitars. I wanted to share with you the story about how I built my dream guitar, the BNG Coletta. The story begins in 1904 in Chicago, when a freshly made Stella guitar left the Oscar Schmidt factory. Stella guitars were the bread and butter of the legendary bluesmen of the early 20th century. Because of their throaty tone and comfortable size, Stellas were considered the best choice for fingerstyle and slide playing. After 108 years of journeys, the guitar ended up on my workbench. And so I got to work, restoring it with love and care. 
When I finally picked it up to play, I was hooked, enchanted by its intimacy and soul. As time went by, I kept thinking how fantastic it would be to combine the sound of another legendary guitar I owned, a vintage Martin Dreadnought with the compact size of that old Stella. It took a few years of countless tests and a few different prototypes. I wanted to find the perfect balance between the comfort and playability of bluesy fingerstyle guitars and the warmth and richness of folky strumming guitars. For me, this dream was worth pursuing. Continuing the B&G Coletta theme, I wanted to make sure you actually heard this guitar in depth. And in doing some research, I found one of the best guitar demos I have ever found online, anywhere, ever, period, end statement. They took the B&G Coletta, in five different tonewood combinations and did a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back comparison. Same microphone, same player, same video session. It is a true apples-to-apples -apples comparison, and it is shocking. It is illuminating as to how different these tonewoods sound. So I wanna show you a quick little clip of this video. We're not gonna watch the whole thing, but I encourage you to do so because if anything, it gives you great perspective on how tone wood impacts the sound of an acoustic instrument. Without further ado, here's the B&G Coletta. Playing guitar faster is somewhat of a hot topic amongst guitar players. I feel as guitar geeks, we're always looking to be faster on the instrument. And sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get there. We're looking for the tips, we're looking for the tricks. Well, I found a video from Jake Eddy, who's a phenomenal bluegrass flat picker who can play extremely fast. He doesn't only play fast, but he has the capability to pretty much start the guitar neck on fire. 
Well, he shared his mental approach to playing fast, and I thought it was invaluable, and I thought you needed to hear it, because I think I've watched this video probably three or four times at this point. And each time I listen to it, I pick up another little nugget. And he has a way of phrasing his philosophy that just lands. It just lands. He did a great job on this video and I wanna share it with you. Here it is. Let's talk about my mindset around playing super fast. It's gotta be the question I get the most from students. You know, How do you play faster? How do I increase my speed? I'm having a speed wall that I can't break through. And a lot of times it can be a technique issue, but also even more times than that, I've found that it's a musicality issue. So kind of my mental approach to playing fast has a lot to do with simplifying. Uh, and I've heard a lot of other great players talk about this as well, but you know, you're not gonna play the same arrangement at 150 beats a minute that you're playing in practice at 90. You're gonna have to simplify. So for example, when you're playing at 100 beats a minute, the interesting part to listen to is the note choice, the rhythms, the chords, the whatever, the licks, the phrases. But when you're playing at 150, 175, 200, God forbid, um, the interesting part becomes the technique. It becomes the application. It becomes the tempo. So you can afford to simplify what you're playing, stay more tethered to the melody, take less risk in exchange for that you know, athleticism at those high tempos. I tend to think of speed more as like an effect or a texture thing more than a, a super musical thing. It's more about the feeling that it gives the listener. It's more about the feeling of playing at those tempos. You know, I get comments all the time when I'm playing this fast stuff where people say, well, that's not musical. That's not interesting to listen to. And it's like, yeah, I sort of agree. The musicality, I think, does take a backseat to the technique at those higher tempos. And I think that's kind of expected and I'm okay with that. If you don't already have your guitar, go ahead and grab it. It's time to see what the TAC family is working on this week. Every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family rotates through the five essential skills that help you learn songs fast. On Mondays, there's a technique challenge, Tuesdays, a guitar lick challenge, Wednesdays, an improvisation challenge, Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge, and Fridays, a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday. They are working on a guitar lick, and here it is. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge is named Golden Brown Perfection because that is what indicates a perfectly baked pie crust. Yes, it is pie week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge this week. Every single challenge has some sort of pie theme to it. Now, uh, your, your lick for today really uses, uh, rather really utilizes dead strokes for impact. Okay, so often we play steady streams of notes, oftentimes right on the eighth notes, one and two and three and four and. It's almost as if they become dynamically flat. Whereas if you integrate dead strokes or muted strokes or just quite simply leave off a note on the downbeat, all of a sudden the next note seems to hold that much more importance. Let me go ahead and play through this for you so you can hear what it sounds like, and then I'll explain why this is so useful and why it's so easy to use while you're playing a guitar solo. Okay, first, here is the lick. You're gonna notice that the majority of that lick is the same. The only thing that changes is the ending note. 
Now hang on to that for a second because I'll explain why that is so important. But first, tech family, if you wanna learn this note for note, please log in, this is your daily challenge. Click on start challenge, that'll take you to the teaching video. Once you get it under your fingers, move to the play along video, adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you. And then don't forget to click on that tab icon in the lower right hand corner, that will open up the tab in a separate window. Okay, so this lick is not best used as a fill. You know, a lot of times I'll show examples of a lick within context of me strumming a chord, going to the lick, and then coming back to the chord. Physically and timing wise, this lick doesn't really cater that well to that. However, this lick finds itself most at home in a guitar solo, specifically in the key of D major or in the key of B minor. B minor being the relative minor to D major. But the reason this is effective is because number one, it's easy. And number two, it gives a nod to the chord that you're playing it over. Case in point, what I'm gonna do is take this lick and the note that I land on will reflect the chord that it belongs over. Now, in some cases, I'll land on the root of that chord. In other cases, I'll land on a note that is associated with that chord, be it the first degree, the third degree, or the fifth degree. Let me go ahead and explain. I'm gonna play this lick, and the note that I land on, I'll just pause there for a second, and then I'll play the chord that it works over. Okay, here's how that sounds. I'm landing on that. I guess that would be a B note. Works over a B minor chord. Right? Now here's the cool thing. The next note that I'll land on at the end of the lick is a D note, which will help it work over a D major chord. Check this out. I'll just show you one more example and then I'll explain why this is so useful and why I, I think it's so awesome and something that you can add to your playing, whether you just started playing guitar solos or whether you're, you know, it's old hat to you. Okay, so the final example, I'll stop on an E note. It'll work over an E minor chord. Check this out. Now this goes to show that there's a little bit of a recency effect going on here in that the lick leading up to that final note contains a series of notes, a series of notes that feels comfortable, a series of notes that, that were pretty, you know, pretty associated with, you know, second or third time through the lick. But that final note is what brings it all together because that is what's pointing at the chord that's playing. So I bring this up because uh, one of two things. Uh, number one, you can use this lick. It will work great for you. And just remember that last note will indicate what chord you're playing it over. But if you're playing your own solo, if you're creating, creating your own licks, all of a sudden you can use the same series of notes, alter that final note, and you can have almost an entire solo based on a single lick just by altering that final note to reflect the chord that it's being played over. I think it's a great technique. I think it's something that, that you should try. Will it work all the time? No, but it's really awesome to try this out and realize that it works more often than not. 
Which brings me to something that I want to talk to you about. This is relatively simple. The concept is relatively simple. Play a lick, play some notes from the scale, from the key that you're playing in, and then that final note will be a note that indicates what chord is going on. Pretty simple. We don't have to make things difficult. You can repeat the same note. You can repeat the same lick. It's okay. It's not cheating. You're not taking a shortcut. In fact, in my opinion, some of the most memorable guitar solos have repeated phrases, repeating the same notes, repeating the same series of notes. And I think as, as guitar players, we fall into this trap of needing everything to be new and, and having to cram a bunch of notes into a solo, a bunch of notes into a lick. That doesn't always have to be the case. Yeah, that's fun sometimes. Nothing wrong with it. But it's okay to strip things down to the bare necessities. It's okay to strip things down to the few notes that work and then really lean on those notes pretty hard. Again, it's not cheating. It's not taking a shortcut. So if, to, if something is simple and it sounds good, don't worry about making it more complicated. Just play it for what it is. A nice, simple, effective melodic line or guitar lick. It's time for your encore of acoustic news you can use, and we're gonna kick things off with one of the funniest videos I've ever seen in my life. You know, when you say the word metronome, it just strikes fear into any guitar player's heart. It's just that monotonous clicking, boom, 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 really less of a boom, more of a click, but you get the idea. And it can be rather scary to sit in a room with a metronome, especially if you're a cat. I found this video of a cat looking at a metronome and every click scares the hell out of this thing. And it is just, it, you have to see it. So without further ado, here's, uh, here's this cat with a case of the metronome scaries. Get ready for some mind-blowing musical advice. One of the pitfalls that guitar players fall into more often than not is comparison thinking. You watch videos and you think to yourself, I'll never be able to play like that. I can't do it just like that person. And it really ends up sucking the joy out of your guitar journey. It can turn a regular guitar playing habit into a very irregular and sporadic guitar playing habit. And worst case scenario, you put the guitar away forever because you've beat yourself up enough and you felt that you're just not good enough. Well, you need to hear this advice from a musician I've never even heard of. But I found this video and I thought immediately, every guitar player needs to hear this. Every musician needs to hear this. This is Peter Brotzman, who is a free jazz icon, apparently. I, I've never listened to free jazz, but this video, really goes well beyond any genre. He talks about music, making music, and where it comes from. And it really is an inspiring little mini speech, if you will. Here it is. Get all the guys coming out now from the music schools and conservatories. They can play much better saxophone than I can do. But that's not about music. Music is about finding out what's happening with you, finding out what's your voice, what is your ability to produce, create something. If you listen to the very early blues, I mean, these guys could play with one string on the guitar box, but they could play music. It's not about technique or technique. It's just the thing you develop for your 
own, and if you need to know some more, you work as hard as the point you reach it, and then the next case shows up. I should mention that Peter Brotzman, who you just heard speak there, uh, recently passed, June 22nd, 2023. And uh, it says here, Peter was one of the most prolific and enduring free jazz musicians to emerge from Europe during the 1960s. And as you heard, uh, just a great musical mind that I think we should all celebrate. I've got one more news nugget for you, and it comes from Joe Bonamassa. He has a podcast. Did you know that? I didn't. His podcast is entitled Live from Nerdville. And if you're a guitar geek, you just plain and simply need to subscribe right now. Press pause in this video. Go subscribe to Joe Bonamassa's Live from Nerdville podcast. You'll be happy that you did so. Well, he just recently interviewed Norm from Norman's Rare Guitars. And the perspective on the vintage guitar market is staggering. What a fun conversation. You need to listen to it. Let's listen to a quick little section of it right now. But when I first started buying and selling guitars, a Sunburst Les Paul, the going price for a nice one was 800 bucks. Mm -hmm. And people would go, Norm, you paid 800 bucks for that? What are you, out of your mind? Right. You, know, you know what you could buy for $800? You got to be crazy. Well, then they got to be 1500 bucks. And people would go, 1500 you got to be stupid. You know how many new guitars you could buy for that? Then they got mm -hmm. to be 2500 Again, they thought it was stupid. Got to be 5000 10000 When they got to be about 50000 people started going, you know, maybe it's a pretty good investment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on those vintage tinged notes. I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show, we're going to be looking at the Square Neck Resonator guitars from My Guitar Arsenal. Today, we looked at the Square Neck Acoustic guitars from My Guitar Arsenal. Next week will be the Square Neck Resonator guitars. I've got some dandies that I cannot wait to show you. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go, please do let me remind you of this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Fun should be your top priority. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you. Guitar Geeks Unite.